First Graft. I'm Heidi James and this is my podcast where I share the ups and downs, the staggers and the sprints as I write my latest novel, The Sound Mirror. This is chapter one. It makes sense to call them chapters rather than episodes, I think, to keep it in with a literary theme. So let's get started and make like a tomato and catch up. How are you? Tell me your news. What are you up to? What are you reading, daydreaming, watching, musing about? Message me on Facebook via the First Graft page or tweet me at Heidi Pearl James. Um, I've had some nice news. I can tell you a tiny bit about it. Um, I was commissioned to write a story by a really amazing online magazine, but it turns out it's actually in the print edition with some really amazing superstar authors so I'm really bloody chuffed about that um and I will tell you as much about it as I can as soon as I can it's going to be launched pretty shortly so um I'll let you know I may even take you along to the launch party because there's going to be a launch party and um record some stuff there if I can um I'm really excited about this actually as well the podcast it can be lonely writing as you guys will know and you can feel like you're struggling alone, especially when social media is so full of triumphs and other people's extraordinary careers, and it feels like they're writing and writing and writing, and you're slumping in front of the telly. Um, So I'm really hoping that this can be a support and a solace for listeners and writers, as well as entertaining. Well, fingers crossed about that. And fun for readers who want to know what goes into the writing, what's going on in the background. Um, if I get a few listeners, I will also be getting myself a fancy new microphone. But if I'm honest, I'm really impressed with myself because usually I would use not having the right equipment as yet another procrastination tactic. So the fact that I've just gotten started um, and I'm doing it, is pretty good for me, if I'm honest. So, on that note, let's go to Procrastination Station. So, yeah, actually I should just get on to talking about the novel, so having this Procrastination Station is another procrastination. How's that for irony? Um, And you could even say this podcast is about procrastinating, but... Maybe not, actually, because if you think about it, I can't keep this up and you won't be listening if I don't actually get any writing done. So I'm hoping that checking in with you guys is going to keep me honest and accountable. The funny thing about procrastination is it's just fear, isn't it, really? A fear of failure. Well, it certainly is for me. And that's just silly because who's going to see the novel until I'm ready? And what am I really afraid of? The irony, of course, is, is that when I'm teaching, I tell my students not to fear the burnt page, to make a mess, and that all writing is rewriting. I mean, if it was really simple, I'd just take my own advice, but I'm the worst one for that. And really, I just love writing, so I don't know why I put it off. Maybe because it's just so important to me. Um, But when I sit down and get on with it, I'm just so happy. Anyway, tell 
me your procrastination techniques and there'll be a prize for the best one. Again, on the Facebook page or Twitter, let me know what you do to get up to your procrastination station. The graft. Why do we write? Why do we read? Simone de Beauvoir says in this really gorgeous essay that's translated by Toral Moy that reading and writing creates a ceaseless intermingling, that you're still yourself, essentially, but another at the same time. It's a radical empathy, and I think it's so important, finding ways to understand each other. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it, how by reading we're incorporating thinking another's thoughts, seeing the world, thinking the world with them, encountering a new real, similar and comforting, or new and connecting. It's this interconnection that I just find so incredible, so, I mean, it's mind-blowing, really. And I write to reach out, I think, to try and find my way through. And with this novel, The Sound Mirror, I'm writing, and this is maybe not for the first time, but I certainly got out of the habit of writing whatever I want and need to be writing. More recently, I've been paying attention to the market and to what everyone else is doing and hoping to sort of find another way in. And actually, it's just nonsense. It's ridiculous. And really, if I'm honest, it's something that I'm... I've been an issue, it's been an issue my whole life. This fear and need to be approved of or liked, loved even. And I'm tired of it. I'm over it, really. That's it. No more of that nonsense. I've just got to do, just got to be, say what I think, and who cares? Who cares? I know I'm a good person, and I know I have the right intentions. So, just got to crack on. So why do you write? What do you read? Why do you read? So I'm figuring I should tell you something about the sound mirror and what you're going to be listening to me struggle with and write. And so sometimes, actually, it's not been negative. I actually have some breakthroughs and some fun with. But um, essentially, it's about at least three generations of women. And it crosses from India, Italy, and the UK. It's 20th century um but it's also about the contemporary too and exploring how we become who we are how traumas change our ancestors our inheritance our dna our place as individuals it's about women um and women in the 20th century and those extraordinary experiences um catastrophic often family and rewriting ourselves. I've been really inspired by Susan Griffin's incredible book, um, A Chorus of Stones, who writes on page 178, the DNA molecule is made of long, fine, paired strands. These strands are helically coiled. What is buried in the past of one generation falls to the next to claim. The children of Nazis and survivors alike have inherited a struggle between silence and speech. I mean, I just think that's just extraordinarily beautiful. 
and so important right now to explore this of what we're silencing, what we're giving voice to, what we're listening to, what's heard, who isn't heard. Anyway, the sound mirror. So far, I have lots of notes around 20,000 words. Um, I'm wrangling a bit with how to structure it. But really, I just need to make the mess and figure the structure out later, which, if I'm honest, doesn't come all that naturally to me. Usually, I have planned my novels, even if they tend to deviate later. And as we go on with the writing process, I do usually have at least a sense of where I'm going with them. But this one isn't as plot-driven as such. Um, So I just need to plunge in and get on with it. Make that mess and figure it out. Untangle it. Go for it. See what happens later. So I thought maybe I'd share a little extract with you today. It's the first draft, remember? We are grafting at the first draft. Um, And this is the beginning. She is going to kill her mother today. It's a beautiful day for it, winter sharp, the sky an unfussy blue. She's even hired a fancy car, a Mercedes, especially for the journey. The man gave her a discount when she told him where she was going. The 400-mile round trip will be a breeze. So here we are, driving down the M4 to be face-to-face with her for the last time. Of course we're along for the ride. How could we not? It's been a long time coming, and our fault, we should say. Funny that, speaking with one voice now, agreeing with each other, but yes, our fault, and the others, all the others, tangled up with poisons and infections and rottenness, our mothers and mothers' mothers containing us, we, in their bellies, seeds of each in the cells and the breath, before the splitting into doubling like an atomic bomb and now she holds us all a rabble of ancestors pressing up from inside against her skin and two she contains the next generation if she wanted if she can bear to bear it bear a child who could blame her if not but for now she's the sum of all us women the total she's what's left you imagine history trails you like clanging tin cans on a wedding car But you're wrong. History is a halter that leads. We're beasts of burden with a ring through our nose. You go where we lead. We are not whole. Our memory's false. We are fragments, ununified, unstable entities colliding under the swirling universe. It's almost romantic, imagining we're individuals cut off from the rest, making ourselves feel special. We are what the story she is made of. Then, of course, there's free will, if you believe in that, which she does. It's a nice idea, anyway, that we are free to choose our actions and consequences. There is something wrong with her, with us, and now it's down to her to purify our bloodline. It's obvious, and the best way to do that is a blood ritual. Think of the men in Sicily who scourge their sins by lashing at their flesh at Easter. The throats of goats and sheep cut for Diwali in Nepal. The power of Kali destroying before she can create. She has to kill. She has to kill her. Make the cut. Let out the poison and end the curse. She's on her way to kill her mother. Our daughter. Woof. It's out there. I've done it. Okay.
Let me know what you think. Let me know what you're writing. <sighs> onwards, onwards, onwards. Okay. So, next up in the next episode, I'll be talking about characters and the inspirations behind them. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe, scribble along, send me questions or messages of solidarity, and of course, rate, review, and spread the word. Till next time, ta-ta for now.